Welcome to another iGrow season at APC. We're so glad you've tuned in. Our church is blessed with excellent teachers of the Word of God, and our hope is that you find today's teaching enlightening, motivational, and encouraging. To learn more about our church, visit theapc.org or find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's lesson. We will be uh, discussing the great man, the great topic of Jacob. Uh, Genesis is actually one of my favorite books. I don't believe they knew that whenever they chose or picked me for this. Uh, from my knowledge, it's completely random. So, uh, But Genesis is definitely one of my favorite topics or favorite books of the Bible, um, just because the many characters that are in there, uh, the story of creation, the, the lineage of how the how, uh, nation of Israel started, and uh, specifically Joseph is my favorite Bible character. So, But we are going to talk about Jacob tonight. Uh, it is going to be a lot of scripture. Um, if you're going to teach the Bible, you may as well read the Bible. That's uh, a good place to start. So it will be a lot of scripture, but don't worry. It basically is just one long story. So that is how I learn best is through stories. And of course, I will be interjecting every once in a while with some uh, thoughts Take that as you will, whether that is a good thing or a bad thing. My thoughts are sometimes dangerous. So, we will go ahead and, uh, as any person starts, we will start with Jacob's birth. If uh, you do have your Bibles, we want to turn to Genesis chapter 25, starting at verse 19. Give those a minute. You would like to follow along or take notes, starting at verse 19, chapter 25. Sweetheart. What? <laughs> there is a bottle of water on my desk. Thank you. All right, Grandpa is my sweetheart. All right. Genesis 25, verse 19. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian, and Padan Aram, good name, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Verse 23 says, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. And so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, I do want to stop here because I do think this is interesting, that Isaac loved Esau because of what he produced, what he could do in the field, 
and what he, what he could do as a hunter. But Rebecca loved Jacob unconditionally. He didn't have to do anything to earn Rebecca's love. Jacob was loved unconditionally. Jacob was an even-tempered man of character. He was a homebody. He didn't stay out in the field. He stayed home. He, he studied. He didn't hunt. He didn't do any of that. But Esau did. Jacob and Esau were complete polar opposites. But there are two instances that set Jacob and Esau at odds. The first instance, we'll jump down to verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now it's important to know what a birthright is. According to one source, birthright made the firstborn son the inheritor of the covenant promises and family priest. And it's exclusive to the firstborn son. A similar comparison of this is the royal secession as we've just seen in the UK with the passing of Her Majesty the Queen. So now we have King Charles. King Charles' lineage will secede the throne. They will take over once King Charles passes away. It's Prince William. Is that his name? Prince William and then William's family. And then if everybody's done and Prince William's family, it'll jump over to Prince Harry's family. So it goes in line, secession, starting with the firstborn son. <coughs> Birthright gives you a double portion of inheritance according to Deuteronomy 21. And once it's given away, it cannot be returned. No matter what regret, no matter what you do, a birthright cannot be returned once it's given away. Esau was the rightful owner of the birthright because he was the firstborn of the twins. Even if they came right after the other, Esau was the firstborn. He had the right to the birthright. <coughs> Excuse me. But Esau did not value his birthright. Hebrews 12.6 calls Esau a profane man because he sold his birthright for a single meal. He was unholy. He was not a good man of character. Some even said he was immature in character. So, so far, Genesis 25-23 is coming to pass where the Lord told Rebekah, the older shall serve the younger. Because now Jacob has Esau's birthright. Now Jacob is the heir to the inheritance instead of Esau. But Esau still had a right to Isaac, their father's blessing. Now we move to the second instance that set Jacob and Esau at odds. Move down to verse 27. Now it came, or I'm sorry, chapter 27. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. And he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, 
and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I might eat. I may eat. She's here beeping. She's taking pictures of me. Sorry. Um, and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat. That my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebecca, Isaac's wife, Jacob and Esau's mother, she was listening. I don't know why. She was standing at the wall with the cup, with her ear to the wall, listening in on Esau and Isaac's conversation. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it. So Rebecca, who loved Jacob more than Esau, went to Jacob and said, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother saying, bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, talking to Jacob, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring for me there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. Now, verse chapter 25, verse 23 is kind of a central theme. It's where this all starts. Rebecca had this conversation with God during her pregnancy that two nations would be born from her twins, Esau and Jacob. But more importantly, in this case, the older shall serve the younger. And Rebecca had an unconditional love for Jacob, and preferred him over Esau. That's even stated in scripture. And maybe this was due to his mild spirit and character. Or maybe she was just playing favorites. Grandma, you don't know anything about that, right? <laughs> playing favorites? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. <laughs> but imagine being in Rebecca's shoes and overhearing Isaac's conversation with Esau. Rebecca knew that Esau would serve Jacob... So she devised a plan. She devised a scheme to sort of help the process along. Jacob suddenly was not only content with the birthright that he had gained from Esau and that he had rightfully obtained, but he also wanted his father's blessing. He had the validation from his brother, but he also needed the validation from his father, even if he had to cheat to get it. But Jacob saw a few problems with the plan. Esau's a hairy man. Jacob was not. Jacob, the Bible says, was a smooth-skinned man. And perhaps for some reason, maybe it's a custom, Jacob was worried that Isaac was going to come feel Jacob's arms and find out that he's not Esau. He's not hairy. And perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Rebecca was adamant, though, because Rebecca said, let your curse be on me and only obey my voice and go and get the, the, the goats, the food, so I can make it. And Rebecca took choice clothes from her elder son, which were in her house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and she put the skins of the goats, the skins of the kids, that sounds really bad, the skins of the kids of the goats <laughs> on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. 
Then she gave the savory food and the bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And Isaac said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Kind of a weird question. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found it so quickly? And here comes a lie from Jacob. Because the Lord your God had brought it to me. And Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you. Whether There's the weirdness. Please come near me that I may feel you. Whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father. And he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. He said, bring it near to me, and I will eat my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now, kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of Esau's clothing. And Isaac began to bless Jacob thinking that it was Esau. Isaac said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you the dew, give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. The oldest shall serve the youngest. So Jacob had sneakily taken Esau's birthright, and now he had taken his blessing. Jacob spent his entire life wanting what his brother had, and was willing to lie and be deceitful to obtain it. Maybe he felt he deserved it more because of who Esau was. Esau was immature. His character wasn't right. His, his character was unholy. Esau doesn't deserve this. I deserve this more than Esau. But one thing's for certain, Jacob obviously wanted it more than Esau. So after all this had taken place, Jacob had obtained... Esau's blessing from his father Isaac. Suddenly Esau comes back. He realizes what had happened. And he goes into the room with his father. And Isaac says, who are you? Esau said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. And Isaac, realizing the mistake, said, where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have already blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. Esau heard the words of his father, and he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, the Bible says. He said to his father, Bless me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit, and he's already taken away your blessing. 
And I find this scripture interesting. Verse 20, 36. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And now he has taken away my blessing. Is there not any more blessing for me? Isaac said, I'm sorry. I have made him your master. That's what that blessing did. I've made Jacob your master. And all his brethren I've given to him as servants. He will obtain abundance. He will live in abundance. He will be blessed. We jump down, verse 39. I, I kind of read this a little bit as Isaac blessing Esau, or giving him a, a different kind of blessing. And although it doesn't, doesn't sound great, Isaac blesses Esau, says, By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. On the surface, this, this seems... Especially in the moment, it seems like a bad place to be. Esau had the right to this. He had the right to be the heir. He had the right to the blessing that Jacob has stolen. But Isaac gives a blessing. You shall serve your brother. Your blessing is to be a servant. The hatred and bitterness rose out of Esau to the point that he wanted to murder Jacob. And Rebekah, again, for some reason, was eavesdropping. And I heard this conversation and knew Esau's intentions, so she went to Jacob and sent him away to live with her brother Laban, his uncle Laban. I won't get into that story because that's, that's a lot to go through <clears throat> in this short amount of time. This is, this is really just an overview, so... I apologize if I'm not going super deep into any of these stories, but this is just an overview of Jacob's life. But to advance the story a little bit, Jacob went to live with his uncle Laban where he found Rachel. Bible times were weird. Rachel was his cousin. Like, not even, like, distant cousin. Like, that was his first cousin. It is Kentucky or Alabama vibes. I don't know. Uh, found Rachel. <laughs> Laban and Jacob had an agreement. Jacob found favor with Rachel. She was beautiful and he wanted her. <laughs> All right. But Laban and Jacob had an agreement that Jacob would serve Laban, Laban for seven years and then he could marry Rachel. But at the end of the seven years, Laban almost gives Jacob a little taste of his own medicine. And instead of giving Jacob Rachel, who was the youngest of the two daughters, he ended up giving Jacob Leah, who was the oldest, who Bible was very clear in stating that Jacob did not love Leah. And I don't know how, but for some reason, Jacob did not realize until the next day that he had the wrong woman. That he was given the wrong girl. So Jacob realized this, but it was too late. He had already married Leah, 
whom he did not love. But Laban made another deal with Jacob. He said, work seven more years and you can have Rachel. And Jacob agreed because of his love for Rachel. Seven years go by and Jacob finally takes Rachel as his wife and both Rachel and Leah had their own uh, handmaid servants, uh, their names being Bila and Zilpah, if I'm saying those correctly. <coughs> and between the four of those, the four of the, the four of those women, they gave birth to eleven sons and eventually twelve, who became the twelve tribes of Israel. You kind of see the the timeline here. And after the birth of Joseph, who, obviously, yes, it's the same Joseph. His story will come later. After the birth of Joseph, the 11th son, <clears throat> Jacob decided it was time to go home, go back to his own land. But before he left, he made another arrangement with Laban. To pay Jacob for his wages, Jacob would pick out the spotted and speckled of the flock, and these would be his wages. And Jacob again, was up to his own deceitful ways and rigged the agreement. And when the strong of the flock would, would conceive and bear more flock, Jacob would mark them with white rods to give them the appearance of being spotted or speckled. But Laban found out from his sons and was notified of Jacob's deceitfulness, and Jacob decided to flee without even letting them know. He took his flock, he took his wives, he took his kids, and he started heading home. So more to that story, I'll let you read up on that. But for the sake of time, I will go ahead and move on. Chapter 32 of Genesis. The story of Jacob spans about 10 chapters, so I know I am jumping a, a little bit. But Chapter 32. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Again, forgive me if that is mispronounced. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, speak thus to the Lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban. And stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Now we got to understand here, Jacob's heading home. Jacob is going right back to the place that he was fleeing from because Esau was going to kill him. Jacob was scared. <laughs> the last time that he heard from Esau, he wanted him dead. But the messengers returned saying, we came to your brother Esau and he also is coming to meet you and 400 men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided people that were with them and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Kind of taking a chance there. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. 
In verse 10, I believe this is so powerful. Verse 10 of chapter 32, Jacob says, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over Jordan this with my staff, and now I have become two companies. When I left my land, all I had was myself. But when I came back, I had enough to fill two companies. In a moment of fear for his life, Jacob recognizes his deceit and God's mercy on him anyway. Jacob understands, he says, I am not worthy to have what I have. I'm not worthy to have the abundance that I have. What I've done in my life, what I have accomplished, what I have lied about, what I have been deceitful about, I don't deserve what I have. I don't deserve the abundance of flocks. I don't deserve the abundance of children. I don't deserve to have the wife I have. God has been way too good to me, even though I've been a liar and I've been a cheat. Jacob says, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with his children, with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. I think the pinnacle of, the, of Jacob, of his life, comes to this moment. And it's really a moment of choices. Brother Greg talked about choices, the choices we make on Sunday, or we make every day on Sunday. I believe this was one of those moments that was the biggest choice that Jacob had to make. Jacob rose, he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. Jacob said, I will not let go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel before. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. I believe Jacob came to a point where he was unsatisfied with who he was and what he had been associated with his name or what had become associated with his name. Lies and Deceit had bound itself to the name Jacob. It was no longer something that Jacob just did, but it was something that he had become. He could no longer separate the name Jacob from a deceitful person or from a liar. Jacob spent his life seeking what he wanted. He wanted his brother's birthright, and he got it. 
He wanted his father's blessing, and he got it. But none of that truly satisfied him, at least not in the long term. But as Jacob, quote-unquote, wrestled with God, he was no longer seeking satisfaction from someone else. But Jacob was now seeking the blessing of God. He was tired of running. He was tired of running from what he had done. He was tired of running from his fears, from his problems, from the lies he told. But he was now seeking a blessing from God. He was seeking what God wanted instead of what he wanted. And in that moment, no longer was he defined by Jacob who stood for deceit, but Israel who remains and stands for the will of God is what he was now known by. But that didn't come without a cost. For all he knew, Esau was still going to kill him. Up to that point, he, he didn't know what his future held. He knew his descendants will be great. But for all he knew, he was going to die the next day. Thankfully, he didn't. But Israel, forever, from that day forward, walked with a limp. Because that injury that he sustained while wrestling with God, where his hip was knocked out of joint, that injury didn't go away. That was a permanent reminder, a permanent scar, to remind him of the change that was made in his life from who he was to who God wanted him to be and to the nation that God wanted to build through him. So that really is, is all that I have. Once, after that, we, we start getting into the, the story of Joseph. But just as a kind of overview of the life of Jacob, you could spend so much longer in each of these stories and so much more detail. <laughs> But the life of Jacob, in my opinion, is not only a story of redemption. It's not only a story of someone who made mistakes, who recognized his mistakes and turned from them. But it's a story of someone who's seeking more, seeking something more than his own desire, seeking something more than his own will. It's a story of someone who wants to see God's will be done over his own. So I do encourage you, read over this story. Go through those ten chapters. There is so much more to learn, so much more to take away, but that, that is all that I have. I thank you guys for your time. Uh, that is all that I have for right now. Thank you. Uh, it is obviously much early. <laughs> very, very early. We have time for some discussion. We have time for discussion. Let's yeah. talk. I I talked about Jacob maybe a couple months ago. And there was something in my notes I forgot to say, but it was something that I never really thought of before. And that is, during this time, there's no organized religion. It's Abraham had a covenant with God, his son Isaac. 
and now Jacob. And we don't see any time ever where Jacob ever had any connection with God, did anything spiritual, until he had a dream. And when he had that dream, he's fleeing from his brother. He makes a vow, and, he, and God gave him that promise that you just talked about. He, he woke up in that dream and said, I've, I've encountered God. And he said, all right, God, if this is true, and when I come back here again, then you will be my God. But up until that point, he had no relationship. There's no church, no priest, no law. People are just still kind of living outside as they of, want to live. Outside of Abraham's family, that there really wasn't. I mean, they were something that I left out in, in terms of the story of Laban. Rachel, whenever they fled, Rachel even stole her father's idols, stole her, her uh, his gods. Everybody outside of Abraham's family was yep. serving some other gods. So no, there, there wasn't no religion. organized religion. And when he comes I'm, back, he, he just ended it. He's like, all right. Now at that Being point, you now. Jacob made an altar yep. where he had that dream. Yep. That this surely is the house of God. The house of God's not, not built by building, but it's where God is. So, yeah, that's a great point. It's never since Esau ever prayed or ever did anything to God. I, be, I do believe right toward the end of his. his I, I do believe Esau did come to a point, at least a point of maturity, if nothing else. Because if you go on a story, Esau didn't kill Jacob. He didn't. But Jacob took him in. He he forgave him essentially, and. Uh, at the very least, he came to a point of maturity. But no, I, I mean, at least from what I've read, I don't know that there was a point that Esau really ever had that same passion. And maybe that's why he despised his birthright. He didn't have that same relationship with God that his father did or that Abraham did. Neil? Well, he, so Esau, because the New Testament tells us God hated Esau but loved Jacob. Esau didn't have any, didn't value the inheritance and the blessing. Jacob did. He, I mean, he schemed to get them, but he he was willing to do whatever he had to do to get his blessing. And even when he was wrestling the angel, he was willing to do whatever he had to do to get his blessing. He was wrong in his method, but he because the inheritance and the blessing were things that came from God. That that inheritance was through that lineage of of Abraham and Isaac, but that was blood. They were blessed because of God. And, and Esau meal. didn't value what God had given them. He traded it for a meal. Bean soup, you know, so. Pottage. And so if you don't value the inheritance we have in God, you don't place a high value on that. How does God feel about you? Yeah. And that, it. As I was kind of studying this and kind of going over what God, God's conversation with Rebecca, and the younger is going to serve the or the older is going to serve the younger. The the means of how that actually happened about how Esau came to be the servant of Jacob. It's just kind of interesting. It's not that God was ordaining Jacob's deceit or or giving clearance, but he knew how the story was going to play out. So I don't know, that, that whole 
the method was interesting to me in terms of how that came to be. And that kind of adds on to the point of God also knew Esau's desires and also knew his hatred, maybe. Hatred might be the, the wrong word to use, but hatred of his birthright and that Jacob was more fit. Well, they're both taught by the same parents. Yeah. They, Jacob and Esau both were, were taught by the same ones. And Jacob loved it and Esau despised it. But they had the same teaching. They had the same possibilities. But one did not care and the other one did. And I wonder if that has something to do with the, the reason that... Um, Isaac loved Esau and favored him. Because the beginning of that story, it says that Isaac favored Esau because of, uh, I'm paraphrasing, forgive me, but because of his hunting skills, because of what he brings in, because of what he could do. So really, Esau's only value is what he could do with his hands. Jacob had other value, at least to Rebekah. And Rebecca was willing to help Jacob obtain what essentially God was giving him. Not necessarily by the greatest means, but... This kind of human nature, though, two kids, that's not the only time it ever happens. No. You get two kids that are raised in the same house, one goes one way, one goes another. They eat the same food, hear the same teaching. Now, I was a youth pastor for several years. I taught the same kids... Same lessons. There's one in jail. A couple are dead. Some are pastors. You just don't know what, how people are going to receive it. It's, it's the ground that it falls on. Uh, and ultimately, that's doing. that choice. That's, that's, not, that's not your job to make that choice for them. I mean, you taught them. You taught them what was right. And Isaac taught both Jacob and Esau probably what was right. And... Taught him what it was like to have a relationship with God. Because there wasn't any other example except no, no Abraham. Example All you can do is teach, and I'm not a parent, so forget parents, you, you all know much more than I do. But I'm thankful for a father that's taught me right, but that doesn't mean anything if I don't make that choice. Jacob was willing to make that choice. Jacob was willing to do what was needed. He was willing to do whatever it takes to have that relationship. Esau wasn't. He gave it up for bowl a, a, a bowl of beans. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that's really interesting in this whole story was is Jacob's name was supplanter, tricker, deceiver is what it meant. And his mom was the ultimate deceiver. So he picked up a trait from her. And then you're introduced to her brother, Laban. And what is he? He's all about deceiving too. So that whole family, he, he genetically kind of picked up that deceiver gene, it looks like. And he, the Bible's full of stories like that where Abraham's wife, Sarah, was so beautiful that when they went down to Egypt, he was afraid they'd kill him for her. So he said, she's my sister. 
Isaac did the same thing. Yeah, exact exact yeah. same thing. Isaac's a whole bunch of liars in that. She's my sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bunch of liars. So it's all you learn by by those around you and what you. Do. I will say, I did read that, and that was kind of funny to me whenever I was studying. Is uh, technically Abraham wasn't lying when he said that. True. Sarah was like his half sister. Yeah. Which is even more weird. I'm confident this all took place in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> and they were pretty old at the time too, so they, I don't know, they, they aged well. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Abraham do it twice? Like, they, like, he, he told that same lie twice, I believe. Maybe not so many preservatives back then. Did you have, you have the story of David and Solomon. <laughs> Hell yeah. David loved women. <laughs> Solomon really loved women. <laughs> so what you're modeled, talk about being a parent, yeah. what you model for your kids is important. Yeah. You know what they're going to pick up on. Yeah. I don't know, just the, just the whole the lineage, the whole family of how everything plays out with Abraham to, to Isaac to Jacob. And even the choices of what, of how Abraham modeled to Isaac, of what sacrifice means. Don't see too much that that was passed down to Jacob and Esau, but nope, they, obviously it. it worked out. Obviously they heard about it because Jacob said, you're the God of my father and my grandfather. Now I will say this is kind of separate. I didn't realize the, the the timeline was so close together. I didn't realize that um, Isaac had already, excuse me, had already had all of his sons whenever he um, went to live with Laban. I didn't realize that Joseph had been born at that time. Joseph had pretty much a front row seat to all of this. Yeah, so yeah, twelve kids in thirteen years. Twelve kids in a span of thirteen years. Also, with the lineage, um, and this is kind of goes back to the birthright of how it technically goes in succession from the firstborn down. Uh, Judah received pretty much the birthright, the, the blessing from uh, in terms of Jacob's sons. But Judah was not the oldest. Judah was the fourth born, I think. There was three above him. Reuben uh, lost his he he lost his uh, his birthright due to sin. Can't remember what it was. I think it was something thirty. But um, Reuben and uh, I'm sorry, <coughs> Simeon and Levi lost theirs to just sin. They killed a guy. So they lost their birthright and, and it fell down to Judah. And if you look, Judah is the tribe, the, the big tribe, the big name, if you will, that received all those blessings. Well, that, that's, I think Judah is the one that said that it said they shouldn't leave him in the well, too. And then when. And was it Judah? Also, I thought Reuben was the one who said that. Are we talking about Joseph? Yeah. You might be right, but I also, but I'll, and 
but Judah for sure was the one that said <coughs> he would he would uh, take the place of, of Benjamin. Right? He, he, he when they were going back, he was like, I, I, "I'm gonna protect him." And I think that's when 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 Joseph gave him the third degree, he saw there was a change. And that's why I'm saying there is so much that you can unpack in, in this story, not only just in these stories of Jacob himself, but what comes afterwards. There's just so much to unpack. That's why Genesis is my favorite book. There's, every time you read it, you find something new. And you find something new in terms of lineage, uh, of uh, an event that happened, of uh, the, the family, of any story. So I encourage you to study out Genesis a little bit, and it is definitely one of the best books, if not the best book in my opinion, except Acts. Chapter 34 is really interesting, but we'll not talk about it here. You should read it. It's just interesting. Genesis 34? Yes. About Dinah, the sister. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just an interesting story. Boy, along the line of deception, yeah. it's a big deception. The whole family's involved at that moment. Yeah, that one's That one's good. That I think that's where uh, Simeon and Levi they, they committed yep, their murder. Exactly. Yep. They do a little more than murder. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> murder. Verse twenty-five. Verse twenty-five shares that. It's a good book. Good book. But. We have about nine minutes left. Does anybody else have anything that they would like to share? Questions that I probably, Brother Paul or Neil, could answer them much better. All right, well, with that. I would say one other thing. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you mentioned this, that you have 12 sons. She wants to know are, where you are. And then there's 12 tribes. But Joseph didn't get a tribe. I studied that. So, so Joseph... Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, became the tribes yeah. instead of Joseph. Yeah, I because I actually looked that up because I got to look at it. I was like, Joseph's not a tribe. And he's one of the twelve. So I had to look at, I had to kind of study that out and sure enough. And Re Reuben didn't get a tribe, right? No tribe of Reuben? Is that right? The firstborn? <coughs> I don't think he I don't think he got a tribe. That's it. The homework. Come back next Wednesday with uh, memorizing the twelve tribes of or twelve tribes of Israel. I think Reuben was disqualified too for being a tribe. No tribe of Reuben. The others were half tribes. He had he had twelve sons. And Joseph didn't get a tribe. So that'd be thirteen, and I'm pretty sure Reuben at first point because of what he did, his greedy as sin. Sick man is what he was. <laughs> Anything else? Anyway, sorry. No, that's right. There's so much. Jacob's full of interesting stories. Anyone? Kyra, you look like you're thinking about something. Food? Fruits downstairs? No? Alright. It's hard for us to understand it way back then. Because everything they ate, they had to grow, erase. Everything that went on, they had to raise or grow or whatever. 
it's a lot of, it's hard for some people to even understand that. Um, but they didn't have anything else. Are you talking about in terms of Esau? In terms of any, any of them. Let's say Esau brought value. I mean, his his skills were needed, and there's no denying that he definitely brought value. And Isaac may have been right to value him that much, but that was his value. That was his main value, and it wasn't the value that should have should have had.